0: fruits or five pounds for a pint of fierce or a Daiquiri, any day of the week including match days. Come on you Reds. Well, Rex, foot there. It is
1: Malise.
0: Hello and welcome along to episode 121 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm your host Gary Scott and joining me this evening it is the one and only Graham Steele. Graham, how's it going? Good, thank you. It's a lovely sunny evening. It is, isn't it? And we've got a very tired Gavin J. Baxter so he can't turn up to join us tonight. Boo-hoo, Gavin. Yeah, he's
2: tucked up with his teddy bear right about now.
0: Yeah, anyway, there we go. In a week that saw both Hibs and Hearts fail to hibs it, and both progress into the playoff round of the European Conference League that saw VAR award a spot kick at Ibrox to Morton before swiftly evening things up. A couple of minutes later, the Kirk Broadfoot effect in full swing yesterday, and that saw Derek McInnes finally crack the code to dump Brendan Rodgers out in a cup tie. Only, Graham, what, six years too late? I was just thinking, when was the start of that being too late? <laughs> six years, yeah, probably. There we go. Anyway, here we go. It's a pretty busy one tonight, Graeme, on the ABZFP. We've got a chance to look back over our win over Sterling Albion in the second round of the Skull Cup on Friday night. We'll check in with our loaneys and loan watch. We'll bring you the latest news, maybe 24 in the last week. Spoiler alert, not much. We'll check in with the Quines and their trip to Glasgow to take on Rangers in SWP one. And then after the break, it's a double header that we need to preview as well this week, Graeme. We're going to preview the first leg of our massive Europa League. Playoff round tie with Baal Klub and Hecken in the company of Jonas and Christopher from the Baal Klub and Heggen podcast. And then we also need to uh, preview our trip to Paisley in the cinch next Sunday. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, eh? He's a piss. Let's get on it. First, Sterling Albion 1, Aberdeen 2, Friday the 19th of August, 2023, the fourth bank stadium in the Coca-Cola League Cup. A second trip to Sterling in two seasons in the League Cup. The Dons naming an unchanged starting 11 from the one defeated by Celtic. Last Sunday on the bench, a welcome return for Angus mcdonald and also fit again. Johnny Hayes, the visitors, Graham, resplendent in their Northern Lights away kit. Absolutely. Gav's not here to complain, so resplendent is a good choice of word. Indeed. Off to a bright start at the dawn. Shaden Morris with a strong run down the flank from which he forced a corner. Duke rising highest at the set play, but his header straight at Curry, who tipped it onto the bar and over. Morris looking lively in the opening minutes, a neat one too between the wide man and Miofsky allowing Morris to flash across along the six yard box but Duke just not quite able to shift himself to get onto it. Miofsky with a couple of opportunities as the game got a little bit bogged down, let's be polite about it, before the Macedonian then struck the opener just before the half hour mark. Nicky Devon with a great run down the right flank, his cut back found Miofsky who swivelled, took his time calmly slotted the ball into the near corner from about eight yards out. The Dons looking well in control at this point. Morrison Duke on the receiving end of a couple of, let's call it robust challenges from the Sterling backline, before Morris forced a save from Curry after some good work from Povara. For all the control throw that Aberdeen had, the Bino is nearly grabbing an equaliser just before the break. Carrick latching onto a ball through. Rubezic looking a little bit sluggish to get there but Carrick's one-on-one effort was well stopped by Kel Roos half-time 1-0-2 the visitors in the second half Albion with a bright start forcing a couple of corners before Carrick was played in again but his effort failed to trouble Roos this time Aberdeen finally then getting to grips with the game Clarkson and Duncan nearly fashioning openings for Miofsky before Barry Robson made a couple of changes Rubicic and Polvara withdrawn from McDonald and Barron that's right Graham two subs two subs And the Dons switched into a 4-3-3 on the hour mark. Again, a change of formation. It was all happening. Clarkson had Aberdeen two up just four minutes later. Shinny's effort from a Devlin cross well stopped by Curry, but Clarkson followed up on the rebound to unleash a first-time Thunder Bastard in off the bar with his left peg. Duke then hitting the bar with a looping header from a Shinny corner as Aberdeen looked as though we were going to turn the screw, but hey, this is Aberdeen. And despite looking fairly comfortable at 2-0, the Dons gifted Albion a goal back on 75 minutes, a deep free kick into the box, finding a Sterling player completely unmarked at the back post. His nod back, heading in by an unmarked Spence from point-blank range. His poor defending all around on this one. The Dons then switching back into a 3-5-2 with Duke replaced by Sokler. The Slovenian with a couple of efforts, which went begging as the game ticked down to full-time. Full-time, Sterling Albion 1, Aberdeen 2. On the data front, Possession 40% for the home side, 60% to Aberdeen shots, 7-14 to shots on target, 4 to 7 So, Graham, as is always the case in cup competitions, the most important thing is coming through the tie. And from that perspective, you've got to say, job done. But with the games that are rapidly now coming up over the horizon that we're going to be talking about soon, would you have preferred slash, well, obviously preferred, but you'd have hoped to have seen perhaps a bit more of a comprehensive win in performance? Uh, definitely yeah I would have liked that to have been
2: more comfortable one you know just sort of gives you a bit more confidence enthusiasm for the games that are coming up Uh, and two in an ideal world you'd be in an ideal world you'd have been in good shape by half time to the point where making some changes and maybe resting some of your more key players wouldn't have been a gamble or stupid everyone would have been crying out for it and then you'd hopefully get through the second half uh, without any danger so First and foremost, we got there, which was absolutely critical. But I was hoping for something a little bit more exciting, to be perfectly honest with you.
0: Um, we talked about it last week, that we expected Robs would go with a full-strength team. He obviously set out his stall early in the press conference as well, that that was going to be the case before the match. It's what he did. Um, although, you kind of beg the question a little bit, about did we really have to go 3 2 away at Stirling Albion?
2: I think this just gets us into something that not just we have spoken about, other people have mentioned, and I think maybe come up last Sunday um, when we were in Siberia, was it just seems to be he has a... Anyway, you're saying he sort of changed it around um, the substitution time, but in general, he just has a style and that's it. And what we said before, in some games, it's maybe a little conservative, so you're not going to need it. But in other games, you're just going to have to adapt to the way the game is playing out and not seen much of that under his tenure recently so yeah I'm not I mean ultimately it worked we got through so there's probably a little point in being overly critical but I was I was thinking we might do something a little bit different given the theoretically lower opposition
0: uh, and again it probably goes back to your point about trying maybe to get the game won by half time isn't it maybe go a little bit more adventurous on the front foot um, not that we were you know it's not like we were defending deeply or anything like that in the first half but Maybe another couple, maybe another attacker on the, on the field, another option further up the park allows you potentially to be in a position where you hopefully are a couple of goals to good half time and you can make some changes. Um, one thing though that we say is, and I just touched on it a little bit there, but there certainly was learnings from Darvel in particular. I think we came out of the traps well enough in the first half. You know, we didn't really offer Albion much in the way of encouragement in the opening five ten minutes. Um, it was Shayden Morris in particular who really caught the eye in the first half. I think it's fair to say, and if we could get a final ball out of Morris we might actually have a decent wee player in our hands, especially if he can play just further up the line. We touched on it a little bit last week after the Celtic game, but this was another example of that, I thought. If we can get a decent ball out of him, uh, we'll have a player and some money in the bank at the end of the season, probably,
2: because uh, there's a lot... Uh, I know it's a small sample size, so but the last couple of games, uh, there's a lot to like, in my opinion. Like he's, he is really, really quick, and some of the, the link-up play and the passing was fine, but it is just that frustration of you know, doing 70, 80% of it really well is great, but it's that final 20% when you're about to play that final pass or put the cross in. If that's not not up to standard, then it's almost like what's the point of doing the other stuff because getting to a crossing position and then putting in a woeful cross, just a point in that.
1: That said,
0: in fairness to him, put in a really good cross first half that I think if Duke is on his toes a bit more for he has a tap in to, to slide in and there was a couple of balls in the second half where he started lofting them they were kind of coming in towards the back post and again if you just had players reading these there were not actually bad balls in so I think there was something in there I think it was a little bit victim of circumstance some of his balls and don't get me wrong were awful on, on, on Friday night but there was a couple of balls in he put in that were decent and I think you know if he if, if a player comes in and converts two of those, suddenly it's a completely different conversation you have about Morris. He walks out of the game with two assists and everyone goes, Jesus, that's a really good threat you've had up, up the line. Ironically, um, despite it being Morris, who was kind of the main creative force in the first half, it was Nicky Devlin who was up the right flank that set up Miofsky, a really well-worked goal, good finish for Boyan. He's now two goals in three games. I mean, after his injury at the end of last season, I think we were surprised to see him back. So soon he'll be delighted wanting to be, Back to goal scoring ways so soon into the into the new season. Definitely, first and foremost, I'm
2: really pleased that he was that he is back in time for the season. I think when he left that game, having been hacked to pieces, we weren't sure when he'll be back. So for him to be back and then pretty much just I was going to say pick up where he left off. That's not quite fair because he had sort of tailed off the latter half of the season and Duke was playing well. Um, so yeah, it's good to have him back scoring goals and. We're, we're going to be needing that throughout the season
0: I don't know what's going on in the background at your house here mate just now yes.
2: I assume nobody in the street listens everyone has dogs and they all just bark at each other <laughs> that's how it is anyway yes I don't know if there's money on this if there's a scrap going on what was the Pedro Cacchina
0: was... line again the, the, the dogs oh, bark and the caravan rolls on <laughs> here we are in the ZFP the caravan <laughs> is rolling on Um, on the other hand you know aside from Miofsky maybe not one of Duke's finer nights at the scene of his first team debut for Aberdeen Although that said, he could have had a couple of goals um a couple of headers touched on the bar the first one from curry i was really hoping that curry would flop one in somehow. we could talk about pop it on risk because that would have been amazing and it never happened so boo to you but you've worked it in anyway yeah well i thought you know you can't it, what it'll be another year to play sterling albin at least so you know true, true. um i saw some people kind of on social media afterwards saying that he, they thought Duke looked sluggish again, which maybe he looked a little bit against Celtic. I think part of that is I think that Duke's quite a funny player in the sense of I think he gives off that vibe, but when he gets an opportunity and he sniffs something, suddenly he can just kind of turn on the the boosters. We saw that against Celtic, I think, when he burst past Carter Vickers.
2: Yeah, I think... I don't know... I don't know if it's him maybe learning a little bit more about the game or, or being coached to maybe be a bit more economical with when you decide you're going to go for it because if he plays the way you know you can play or we've seen him play and he's chasing everything down, you'll get 60, 70 minutes out of him and then that's it. Yeah, He won't last the game because it's just too intense. So I don't know if that's him deciding when he's going to chase something when he's not. And also, you don't really want, I guess you don't really want anyone to look lazy. But on the other hand, if sometimes you go, sometimes you don't, maybe that's trickier for a defender because you're, you know What What do you do in that situation? Uh, if he's not going for it, does that mean someone's breaking from midfield and you've got to watch them? So maybe mixing it up is not a bad thing, but I know what you mean. I I actually thought he was going to have a pretty good night um, given the way he'd improved last season. And I th- was kind of just thinking, you know, guys, they'll be a little bit rash, a little bit slower, not read the game as well. He'd probably have them
0: on toast, but never really happened. No, I didn't quite. It was just one of those games, where it just didn't really... F- this is a weird thing. It's like... <sighs> I felt we were in control for the vast, vast majority of the first half without creating huge opportunities and we didn't really cut Sterling out open that often. But I thought we were well on top of the game. Um, that maybe is part of the reason as well we didn't really see the best out of Duke. You know, I think sometimes he's best when you've almost you're out of possession a lot of the time and he can do a lot of harrying of defenders. And we saw it, you know, with the goal against united away. He's kind of playing on the edge of the defender's shoulder. When you're dominating the game and from a possession perspective, it's kind of hard, sometimes I think, for him to get into the game a little bit. Um, but I was just saying, for you know, we we were in control, I felt, without really creating a lot. But we started that second half poorly, a little bit sloppy to um paraphrase a a previous incumbent of the manager's chair at Pitodre, or the manager's son bed at Petodre, should we say. Uh, Rubicic in particular seemed to be unsettled quite a bit in that. 10-15 minute period before he was subbed. A little bit of a concern that he looked that nervy in a game versus, let's be blunt about it, League 1 opposition. Yeah, I'm I'm
2: hoping maybe this is just him you know, adjusting to his teammates and I don't know if what Robson wants from him is exactly what the previous coaches have wanted from him, so whether he's trying to adapt to maybe different demands and instructions <laughs> etc, but uh, yeah it's not a great look if that type of game is getting to you, especially when you consider what we've got coming up. So that's maybe something to, yeah, something to watch, but hopefully he will get up to speed quite soon because I think there's definitely room for improvement
0: there, isn't there? I think so. I mean, I thought first half he did okay. Uh, he dealt with a lot of stuff that Albion were thrown up there and then there was that chance that Carrick had just going into time, which I think he was a little bit laxadaisal getting to, just let Carrick get in. I don't know if that spooked him a bit. And then came out second half and he just looked really shaky I don't know as you say it's one of these things like whenever you're bringing in players who are new to Scottish football and I'm not trying to say that Scottish football's excuse me, vastly vastly different to um, Serbian football but I don't know it seems like a lot of players really struggle a little bit to adapt when they first get here. And it particularly seems like his game's against lower league opposition. I don't know if they're just not used to this idea that these guys are going to be really up for it and, and it's like cut finals. I don't, anyway, we'll wait and see. I think we're going to have to give him time if that's the main thing, I think.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And at least, you know, he did come through the game and we got through, so there's no, you know, no one's kind of on yeah. him for for any errors or anything. But yeah, let's hope, the, let's hope he gets up to speed quite quickly.
0: Um, The goal from Clarkson, Another beauty to add to the showreel, I mean, from a technique perspective, it's just it's, it's brilliant. I mean, I know it's effectively almost a bit of an open goal because the keeper's still down. But to lash that left-footed first time in off the bar, brilliant. Um, He showed in flashes in this game once again, a bit similar to the Celtic game that, you know, what he brings to the team. I think we're all aware of that, but we really need to be trying to get him on the ball a little bit more, don't we? Because I felt at times during the Celtic game we never got him on the ball enough and it felt the same as well in this game that we just never quite got him on the ball.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think up front with Dukamiovsky, they're different, but I would, I still think they can both create something themselves to an extent or play a pass. But in the midfield, I'm just looking at Clarkson, who's I I want him with the ball at his feet and everyone else. I basically just want to be tackling or you know tracking runners don't make it easy to get through you kind of just want that team to be set up to somebody someone to do the dirty work and just give the ball to Clarkson and and then because I think we've got good movement up front now you know gone are the days of someone just basically standing there or being marked up you know there's two guys at least that you can hit and the likes of will usually try and get forward in support so I think there'll be players for him to uh, players for him to hit but we, uh, we need him on the ball more. I, I agree with that. Uh, whilst I think his work rate increased second half of the season, we did see him tracking back and putting in tackles and, and that's brilliant he needs to do that. But clearly I don't want most of his job being the, the defensive side. I, I kind of want him to have a bit of a free reign to sort of loiter around that middle of the pitch, be free for a pass uh, because uh, every time he gets the ball, I would back him to do the right thing, whether that is. Uh, and I think a lot, you know, one thing about him is, a lot of his passes are forward. You know, he so getting the ball to him, not only can he do something, but actually getting the ball to him. Most of his passes seem to be going forward, so that kind of naturally gets us up the, the pitch and keeps the pressure on the opposition, as well. If he was one of these guys that likes to hold the ball and we're just sort of popping it around the midfield, maybe yeah. not so much because sometimes that slows the game down. But I don't really feel he's like that.
0: No, it's definitely not. No, absolutely completely. Agree. Just that I was having a rice smile just now because I was looking through for listeners. I don't think we've ever talked about this before, but normally we have a um. There's there's myself, Gavin, Graham, um, and one of our our another friend, Alan, who should have technically been the fourth wheel on this podcast before he decided to shit it. Um, <laughs> we run our own little syndicate on a weekly basis. Um, where we all pick a team to bet on, and I've noticed that Gavin, great Gavin, myself picks her up obviously, but I've just had the alert that Poor were now one one. And Barcelona are nil nil. So it's up to you and Gaza to have just shafted us once again. Good stuff. Cheers. Oh, okay, games still ongoing. They are indeed. And I also spot, just as my uh, notifications pop up, Elba Ramadani named in the starting lineup for Lecce tonight as they take on Lazio in their opening Serie A fixture. We'll maybe have Rama watch for the rest of eternity possible here. Anyway, let's see. Yeah, um, I, think, I think Gavin might edit that section out every Sunday. Yeah, he'll try to. But um, <laughs>
2: until
0: we're then, just the Elba Ramadani podcast. <laughs> Um, anyway, just on, you. talking about Ramadani um, his replacement to all intents and purposes just now appears to be Dante Polvara I think uh, Dave Cormack mentioned it during uh, our chat I'm pretty certain and he mentioned I think on the um, podcast Graham Spears as well that part of the reason that Barry Robson was okay with Ramadani being sold was because I think they saw a, a, a future for Dante Polvara and indeed at some point so I think it was discussed that potentially even coming through pre-season, Robertson was rating Povara ahead of Ramadani, ahead of the start of the season anyway. I thought Povara did okay in this game against Sterling Albion on Friday. Um, nothing really much to talk about. Had a really good driving run in the first half. And Conor Barham when he came on was tidy enough. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Povara has been fine to date. Like, well, uh, I thought he played well against Celtic. I, I thought yeah, he genuinely well He faded. Well yeah. So
2: whether that's just I don't know what sort of level he was playing at in the state how it compares in terms of intensity, et cetera. So there's maybe just a bit of conditioning and I think the level fitness. somewhere around goals, Monday night. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> likes to take piss out of the states. Nine, but... nine, nine o'clock league. <laughs> uh, I think he he maybe just needs a little bit of that sort of fitness to get him through a whole game because he did fair against us. But I think he's been fine to date, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think we're finally seeing what we were told we were getting when we, we signed him and he looks like he'll probably do a job I'm not he's, he's maybe just going to be one of these 6, 7 out of 10 guys and and that's fine uh, you need we've said this loads and loads of times you need a, a nucleus of your team that just does a, a solid job week in, week out so I think he'll be fine and Barron, we all know he's there's not really, or I don't have any doubts about his uh, his footballing abilities, with the you know the technical side and the ball at his feet, and ability to put in a tackle and pick a pass. I'm just not really sure how he's got so lost, or yeah, did did he just look so good at the time he came in because the rest of it was so bad? It's difficult to figure out where he really fits in terms of his ability level. So it's good to see him get a run out and you know not do anything wrong. I just don't really know where the season goes for
0: Conor Barron. I have this weird feeling Conor is going to be one of these enigma, enigma players that, you know, if he doesn't sign a new deal anytime soon, I would then expect that he leaves at the end of the season on a free. Where he goes, I'm not entirely sure, because obviously there was this huge link with Celtic, I think, um, you know, after his kind of breakthrough season, the season you talked about, um, you know, under glass, and Goodwin kind of persevered with him as well. And he was a kind of shiny light in that last six, well I'll say six months, last four months of that season Um, and it's one of those, it's just, I'm not I don't, there's any doubt about Barron's technical ability on the ball, I think he's clearly a good footballer, but I think we've created I think we've produced a lot of good footballers through the years at Aberdeen, through Mm -hmm. the Youth Academy you know, Dean Campbell's a good footballer, I think on a technical level but we just never really quite found the right role for Dean and I think he just got lost in the shuffle a little bit and I kind of Fear for Connor that he might be in the same sort of boat, and I think that if you continue not to sign a contract, then it makes you know managers doubt your overall commitment to being here. So you're going to be way down the pecking order at that point, and I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because I think I, I look at Connor Barron a lot, and, it, and he reminds me a lot. I think of somebody like Dylan McGee, in that. I think there's a really good technical footballer in there. And I think if you could find the right role for him in the right team, he'd excel, but it's just try to find that. I'm just not sure what that looks like right now. And I think with Leighton Clarkson being in the door, you know, for the, for the investment we've put in Leighton Clarkson, and probably not, it doesn't sound like it's been that big an investment on the transfer outlay, but I imagine he's probably being healthily remunerated on a weekly basis to be here at Aberdeen. I suspect that there's a big chunk of incentivization has been put on to Leighton around, you know, come here, do 12, 18 months, we sell you. I don't know, maybe we're gonna I don't know, maybe we're gonna do some sort of thing where we give him a out of any future sell-on or some nonsense that we've worked away, you know, that whatever to, to encourage him financially to be here at Aberdeen as well. We've invested a lot in Link Clarkson, so he's gonna be in that role creatively for the season, unless something drastically changes. Trying to find a spot for Conor Barron seems a bit difficult right now, doesn't it? In the in the, in the midfield three,
2: yeah, yeah, I, I would I would think so. He's he's uh, in every week. So that's she is in know. every week. So that's those two. And from what we've seen so far, Bolivar going to play. Yeah, every week. So he's going to have to go some to force his way into the team, or he's going to get yeah minutes here and there or the odd. The odd, you know, the odd appearance for suspensions and stuff like that so he's basically going to be a bit part player as how it would appear so far and I'm not really sure I mean the only space you can argue with is Povara, and at the moment yeah. given it's so long since Barron was actually getting run of games I probably can't say that Povara's done anything that makes me think he shouldn't be in the team at this point in time and Barron should replace him so yeah it might be a tough
0: season for him Um because we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, the goal we can see, this is, this is the big negative, it's it's really poor, the goal. It capped off what was at that point a really rough kind of 15, 20 minutes that Jack McKenzie and Ryan Duncan were having. They were really toiling towards the end. Of the game. Um, I saw a lot of people having a, a, a go at Duncan in particular. I think we need to be careful on one hand here that he doesn't end up being scapegoated when he's playing in that left wing back slash left back position as he was at this point it's clearly not his natural position he's being asked to play there out of necessity more than anything else Um, but yeah we just need to watch of that I think a little bit don't we
2: yeah yes ultimately we do I mean having never played football at any level like I said plenty of times I don't know how difficult it is just to do a job I know people say that's not his position but ultimately there's going to be someone there's going to be someone ahead of you trying to run past you is yeah. basically what's going to happen in that role. So is it really that difficult to just be watching for them doing that and making sure they don't get in behind you? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, it shouldn't be a fitness thing, in my opinion, if he's toiling towards the end because he's, he's a young man, he's played enough football, I think, that he should be capable of playing that role for the 90 minutes. Um, you know, And ultimately, if he's playing in that position, it's not entirely his fault. It's a fault of the... Management recruitment, whatever you want to call it, we've ended up in a situation where we're relying on him or Hayes for that that position, and that that's your bigger
0: issue, in my opinion. Good to see Angus McDonald getting back into some game time. You know, yep, he's going to need more games now to get up to speed. But good just to have him back in the fold, uh, definitely, um, definitely, fairly comfortable. Didn't have a lot to do at seriously although like I he was on the pitch when there was the the. The, the terrible, terrible piece of defensive work there for the goal, but yeah, just good to get a player back again. Because I know there's been so many people. And we'll, we'll come up to this in a minute or two about tweet Dave Cormack's about tonight. There's been so many people, obviously, you know, really concerned about the lack of squad depth that we have come into the game, especially on Thursday. We have been probably really badly hit. Well, well we have. It's not no probably about it. We have been badly hit by injuries, particularly in the back line, which has made us look weaker there than we necessarily would be. Huge though, just to get Angus McDonald back up and running, hopefully.
2: Yeah, definitely. He was excellent when he came in last season. Uh so hopefully he just gets back to speed back up to speed quite quickly. Um and if he continues where he left off last season, that's going to make a big difference to the defence in my opinion.
0: Were you a little bit surprised that we didn't see the likes of perhaps, you know, or Dadia, maybe Vinnie Bajowin get some game time here? You know, the subs that we did make, it was, you know, McDonald for Rubicic, Baron for Polvara. I don't think Polvara had to come off, to be truthfully told. And then Sokler for Duke. Um, Was this maybe an opportunity to do something a little bit different with the subs and maybe get some guys a little bit of game time and just get some minutes on their legs? I'm surprised about Dadia, uh,
2: every week that goes by I'm less surprised about <laughs> Bajewan I, I like yeah, Bajewan I think he's a good player I'm convinced we I'm going to use past tense we should have got more out of him because I don't really see how he's going to fit. I'd be surprised if he's here at the end of the window just for the fact that he's not getting a look in uh, even if it's just like you say on uh, on Friday for just for the the hell of it almost just change him out press legs etc um, so yeah Madaria because I, I kind of Thought he might actually feature more in the season. So, I thought that would have been a good opportunity to just get him a
0: little bit of game time with his teammates. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? Now, with the lack of, you know, we've touched on it so many times before, the lack of a reserve league, you know, being there. Only way some of these fringe players that we have around our squad at the moment, of which there are a number now, when you look at, you know, Ordadia, uh, Jimmy McGarry, even like Angus McDonald, Reese Williams now, who've all missed big chunks of pre season. You know, Magari didn't go, we touched on it before, didn't go with the Central Coast Mariners in their pre-season tour to Indonesia. So he's not played any football at all since the end of the A-League season last year. Um, I know he, they're saying he's come and he looks fine, but he still sounds like he's a way a bit away from playing. Yeah, it's not the same as match fit. I mean, all these guys who trust him would be professional,
2: so I'm sure they... I'm sure they're fit. Yeah, yeah I'm sure they're fit. That wouldn't be sh- in doubt, but it's not the same
0: as the match yeah, I'm sure. Fitness. I'm sure they would rock up on a Thursday night at Fives and prob- probably, probably, blitz past me. Maybe I, right. <laughs> that's not a very good reference point, right? Uh, but yeah, I I don't
2: doubt that he has been on a program and sticking to it, and the the fitness is not going to be the issue. But it's just not the same. It's not as a game, and even then, you know, opportunities to actually play those teammates are limited to games that matter and you're in that kind of conundrum for managers well you need to get them in but you, do you bring them in or put on a good run a form do you change the team no you don't you just keep the same guys you know it's you don't have that luxury of a league or you know the, the reserve setup where you can just put a bunch of guys out and kind of see how it goes get them up to speed that way
0: Well that's the thing now as well isn't it because you kind of felt looking at our fixtures now between now and basically Christmas there's no real opportunity like, like Sterling was kind of almost that I'm not going to use the word free hit, but it was kind of the the opportunity to go, you know what? Anyway, let's move on from that. It's basically an underwhelming performance, is probably the best way to put it. But on the whole, do we need to just align with kind of Barry Robinson's views after the game, which, you know, it's still only our third game of the season? We've, we've got nine players in the door. Um, they're going to need time to gel. It's going to take us a bit of time to get going, especially because of the setbacks we've seen with injuries, um, especially because the likes of Ordadia. Jimmy McGarry don't appear to have had that much of a pre-season so they need to get time to get going that said and we're going to come on to this in a minute or two it's a massive massive opportunity that's now presenting itself to us in the Europa League ideally we'd like to be in a more comfortable position yeah we definitely would because
2: like it's all fine saying in Australia early in the season it, it is number of players in time of gel all of that but the reality is the season has started and we are now into massive games so that we don't really have that luxury of having you know taking time to get going because I mean we'll go to the heck and thing but basically I think it's an excellent opportunity not not the maybe foregone conclusion that some people are suggesting maybe not as easy as I initially thought it might be when I saw the draw but it's an excellent opportunity and saying that we're not quite ready at this stage when we all knew where we were going to be in terms of we'd have a qualifier isn't a suitable excuse in my opinion. And
0: before we just move on, Graham, as well, obviously, we're recording Sunday night. The League Cup draw has now been made for the quarterfinal stage. Um, it was always going to be an all premiership affair, anyway, because it was only the eight premiership teams left in the hat. Um, Rangers, what a surprise, have been drawn at home against statistically, as it stands at the moment, the weakest team left in the competition. Um, we've landed ourselves in a way tie at Ross County. Hard not to be kind of relatively okay with that draw. It's fair to say. we Would have rather been at home, obviously, but from who was available. I think that, yeah, I think that's okay.
2: You know, if you're open anything, you can have to beat one of the gruesome twosome most likely. So you've got one down. You've got and it represents a great stage, great opportunity to get through at the next
0: stage. Yep, absolutely. Right, that's enough of that. Let's move on. Other news for maybe 24 this week. Um, not much. Fairly quiet, all told. I mean, a couple of things that we just want to quickly mention. Obviously, the under 14s from the youth team winning the Boal tournament in the Netherlands. That's a huge achievement when you look at some of the teams who were involved in that competition. Um, Aberdeen coming second initially in Pool B, ahead of the likes of Chelsea, PSV, Bromby, Bayer Leverkusen, Sparta Rotterdam, and Edo Den Haag. In um, pool A for that group, included Borussia Dortmund, Manchester United, Club Bruges, Azar Alkmaar, Vila, uh, Hornved from Budapest as well. Um, the Don's then coming through beating Borussia Dortmund in the semi finals before then a win over Atlanta United <laughs> in the final of that one. But that's a, another amazing achievement from the Youth Academy, isn't it? That's, that's another elite youth tournament on the continent that we've gone and and won and you you listen to some of the teams that are involved in that competition that's a a fantastic achievement from everybody at the club yeah absolutely
2: brilliant achievement so well done to obviously players coach everyone involved it's just that's a few of these successes I know we're probably a few years away from any of that you know possibly being old enough good enough to be in and in but it's, it's just how do you keep that momentum going at the age groups and then how do you turn some of that into team players and then probably ideally turn some of them into as well at some point in the not-too-distant future. So really, really encouraging. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about at that sort of age level in the club, but yeah, we just need to see that progression and hopefully you know, not lose them before
0: they they start to fulfil their potential. This is the only problem with this, isn't it? That's a few of these tournaments that like you say we've won now um, and, and winning them in, you know, against what you would class as being, in inverted commas, elite teams. All this is going to do though is encourage scouts from said elite clubs to be looking more closely at what we're doing in our youth set isn't it? And we've already seen, you know, Lewis Piri this this summer disappear to Leeds United. Um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword in a way, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. You, you kind of want them sniffing around
2: to maybe these guys are... Twenty so you might have had a season or two out with them, and you can sell them for some real money. You don't really want sniffing around when basically, you know, at sixteen or whatever it is, when they can fa- sign a deal, they they go elsewhere. You don't really get anything for it. Um, but you obviously need to have the you need to be producing these players so that hopefully something will do come through. So it is a bit of a double-edged sword. But I think on balance, you'd probably
0: rather have the focus on the club than not. Indeed. Um... Like I say, it's quite a quiet week. Just before we started recording, though, Dave Cormack provided an update on Twitter. I mean, it's not there's not very much in here to be honest, but all he's basically saying is on the transfer window. I think this is probably in response to a lot of people who are um, getting very, very anxious to think about the fact that we're heading towards this game with Hecken on Thursday night with what still appears to be quite a light squad in certain areas. Cormac just saying that on the transfer window, my previous or this is an update to the previous tweet below, which stated we were close on two defenders, after which we signed uh, Rubezic and Jimmy McGarry and that it would likely take us in quote marks well into the rest of the window to get the quality we needed. We're close on signing two or three players with the fourth a possibility by the end of the window. Yes, we're all impatient. None more than me. Uh, Dave obviously highlighted that during his uh, conversation was last week about how impatient he can be, but by the, it is has to be all about quality over quantity. By the end of the window, we expect we'll have signed either twelve or thirteen players, almost all of whom will have been under contract versus being free agents. But yeah, that's that's kind of it. I mean, you've you've been pretty vocal so far, Graham, that your bed sheets are dry. Are they getting damp at the moment ahead of Thursday night? Or are they still you still got the confidence that the club know what they're doing and it's just going to take a bit of time. And if, if hecking on Thursday night arrives just a little bit too quickly for us, then, then so be it.
2: Um, still dry. <laughs> <laughs> but we are now approaching the end of the wind. I believe it slams rather than closes shut. Has to slam shut. Doesn't meekly just close <laughs> in the wind. So at the moment, I'm okay. I'm trusting that... People are doing what they can behind the scenes. And I think one of the reasons why I'm not panicking is I I have accepted our place in the footballing pyramid, which is nowhere near the top. So we are now... But basically, we're we're, we're scrambling around for guys that might be good who are now looking at, well, featuring maybe, maybe not, because Doug's a good example. So Watford have obviously much bigger budget than us so they'll be doing what they need to do and then with a couple of days to go they'll have decided they've done their business and then they're going to look around and see who's not going to get a look in and then we'll all be scrambling guys I kind of feel that's probably the mark in at the moment so I'm okay with it but what I will say is you know given that for a long time, obviously didn't know you're going to get hacking, but we knew we'd have the qualifier we knew we would have group stage football we've shifted a ton of season tickets a load of shirts if we can't put a squad together. There's going to be a lot of people that are pretty pissed off, myself included, because every season it's the same. You guys need to do your bit. I think fans have done their bit. and Now it's on the club too. is my current take. So there's 10 days or 11 days for
0: Defcon 4. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Let's uh, let's move on from that. A welcome return to Lone Watch. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Um, today was the first time I could be arsed sitting down to work out where everybody had actually moved to. And check out of what course. was happening. <laughs> um, because I couldn't just rely on my old templates had uh, to actually do some work. Um so Kieran Neguenia started on the bench, came off of that said bench for Partick Thistle with 24 minutes to go in there, defeat the hearts in the CIS insurance cup this afternoon. Evan Towler at Montrose. I enjoy the fact that I keep on doing the sponsor reference. Graham just gives a little kind of a little chuckle and I oh, retro references. I, I enjoy it. If it's made you laugh, then that's worth it, Graham. That's <laughs> that's what we're trying to do here. Evan tyler Montrose, no place in the squad for Taylor as Montrose were thumped 3 0 at Links Park by Cove Rangers in League One. Aaron Reid, an unused substitute as Peter Head, beat Clyde by two goals to one at the ZLX Stadium in Hamilton. Disappointingly, not the spice of life any longer. That was in league two uh, league two, obviously for Peterhead this season. Liam Harvey and Blair McKenzie both starting on the bench for Elgin City as they traveled to the capital to take on the Spartans in League Two. Harvey coming on with 37 minutes to go as Elgin went down by two goals. So one Dylan Lobin and Adam Emsley for For Martin United. I feel now that the For Martin United Twitter admins are listening into us and trolling us further, because it now turns out there is no former no there is no longer a For Martin United Twitter page oh so rather than just put the details out that you requested they've just, just doing nothing now so I had to like actually go and do work I would I should also say the Bucky Thistle Twitter page didn't help me here either by listing the starting lineups for both sides anyway they did both start the Lobin and Adam Emsley as they drew 1-1 at home to Bucky Thistle in the Highland League. Finlay Murray, who's at Turra United, started in their fixture with Clack at the Hawks and they and he played the full 90s. Tutra won four one. Tutra have actually started the season all right, considering they looked utterly hopeless against us. Just the wake-up call they needed. Indeed, as opposed to the Chuff Chuffs who not started the season well at all. Um <laughs>
2: no, anyway, I think
0: it's like a a season. You don't want to save that season, do you? It's a season restart. Don't think so. You'll enjoy this game as well. Um my wife's not in the room at the moment, so I can tell the story. So obviously it's for my fortieth, it's lining up across the weekend that um locals play Bucky. Bucky. yeah, Fine. Um <laughs> despite my me saying to her, listen, you don't need to worry about buying tickets, right? It's High League, it's fine. She sent an email to the locals asking if she could buy tickets in advance for it. And they basically were like, No, you just paying the gate. Well, no, it's fine. You know, you're like it's fine. It's Highland League. These games don't sell out. It's fine no problem well she's keep organised she's well up for it I mean like what was it how, she, how was it she described it in the group chat top flight Scottish football yep she's but, gonna go too fast too hard and get chucked out of half time or something isn't she that's a problem I said to her I was like Sarah I wouldn't even describe like the premiership which is technically top <laughs> flight Scottish football I would describe that as top flight Scottish football yeah I've witnessed a lot of stuff that's not top flight <laughs> I've watched a lot here in League and occasionally a doozy on other occasions, remember Sh- Huntley versus Strathspey Thistle a couple of years yes. ago? Yes. Oh,
2: yes. It's so always good f- I should add, it sounds like we're taking the piss of the... Yes, highly, always good fun. That's not what we're doing. It's Huntley just occasionally versus a game B- breaks was
0: not, it Huntley was not great bad. <laughs> but that was a fucking horrendous game of football. You get the odd game like that, but
2: in general, actually, there's usually a that's few decent. players where you think they're you Know for whatever reason it didn't happen for them, they're tidy players, and there's the I feel like the game has actually got better over the the years. There's a bit more football involved
0: now. I um, remember a few years back going to see Fraser Wick Academy in the Brock, and um, Wick turned up, and I think they beat the Brock 3 0. Wick were brilliant in the afternoon, it was honestly like watching Guardiola's Barcelona. <laughs> I'm not even joking, they were playing. Just like- colder. It was a lot colder, yeah. But they were they were actually playing like almost like a tiki taka. It was ridiculous to watch. It was a great game. Anyway, let's move on. Um, before we get somebody showing us. Um Gavin. Gavin, yes, Jaden Richardson. No place in the match squad for Jaden Richardson as Stockport County beat Dean Campbell's Barrow by one goal to nil in League Two down south. Is he fit, Richardson? Or is he just not getting into that squad? I think that's an eye of the beholder, isn't it, Graham? <laughs> I should say, is he physically capable of partaking in a football yeah. match? He, he started, I think, the first couple of games I had. Um, okay. So he's either been bombed out already or has an injury, one of the two.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a,
0: yeah, I suppose it's rather days yet, but, you know, again, another one that we'd, yeah, chuck some at. It'd be disappointing if Peter's out. League two down south is a proper, like, who's who of, like, ex Aberdeen players kicking around there now. Callum Henry scored a hat trick for Salford this weekend. I only checked that out because I was wanting to see what how Connor McLennan was getting
2: on well, that's, so I saw the score and I thought I wonder if McLennan uh, scored didn't I saw Callum Hendry had
0: <laughs> yeah Mark Howard's still hanging on at Wrexham um, Ash Taylor's not getting a game for Bradford City that's a surprise to nobody <laughs> <laughs> well maybe Ash Taylor um, who else is there Teddy Jenks is at Forest Green Rovers jeez Jenks I think he said something up he
2: to Forest Green yeah sort of like player
0: yeah are you thinking about a trip to forest green Rovers now well I'd need to find out a game he's playing in but yeah that's tempting yeah what about the vegan pies I don't think you'd be up for that
2: no I'll eat before I get there
0: (laughs) anyway right let's move on shall we quickly before we're getting in trouble from a lot of people tonight vegans Highland League aficionados Troy Deeney anyway on the Quines I have to pick up three points in their SWPL one season opener last time it was an away trip to Glasgow to take on the artist formerly known as Rangers on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the Dons with one change to the starting eleven from last time out. Right? Laura Holden dropping out of this one with Ava Thompson coming in. Quick note to the AFC uh, uh, website admin: you've only listed ten people in the starting lineup for Aberdeen today. I actually had to, again to go and do work to just confirm who was in the starting lineup tonight. Fucking disgraceful stuff. Anyway, I- Clint, that confident. Apparently so. Um, that is a, a bold, that is a bold lineup. It is a bold lineup. Indeed, indeed. Um, having watched most of this actually on BBC Alba this afternoon, it was quite a good game. The home side taking the lead in 19 minutes to Cornet, it, but Aberdeen rallying got a deserved equaliser through Bailey Hutchison just on the stroke of half time. So the size in level at The break, an evenly contested opening to the second half, eventually saw the home side take control, a brace for Macaulay, Goals for Hill and Hardy, eventually seeing the quine slip to a 5-1 defeat. But plenty of positives for this young Aberdeen side to take against a team who obviously took last season's title race right down to the wire, but then collapsed in spectacular fashion. And let's not be said we're churlish this show, if it happens to Rangers or if it happens to England, whether it's the men's or the women's team, it's still really fucking funny. Anyway, next up um, and another away tie, this time at Lynx Park to take on SWPL1 newbies and trolls on Wednesday evening before a home fixture against Hearts next Sunday at the Bomb Now, Graham, will that do us for this half? Yes. yes. I think it will. Excellent. Let's do that. Let's come back after the break. We'll preview Thursday night's huge, huge tie in Gothenburg as the Dons take on and Hecken in the Europa League playoff round. First leg and we also preview very briefly our trip to Paisley in the Cinch to take on St Mirren. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And Siberia Bar and Hotel are pleased to announce their latest venture, Don and Co. Brand new, freshly baked, handmade donuts coming to you from Belmont Street, Aberdeen. To the grand opening on Friday, the first of September, 2023 make sure to check them out. Welcome back to the ABZ football podcast. Now, before we move on to the chat about our playoff run tie on Thursday and about September next week, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the ABZ FP beer and coffee fund this week, including Ernest Don, Roy S Mark Robertson, and more from Kirkcaldy. Lovely stuff. We see you. We acknowledge you. Your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffees, please to head on over to ko fi.com forward slash abz football podcast. The link is in the description. Shout out to us a beer or a coffee, it is much appreciated. So, Graham, Thursday night seems like it's been ages for us to wait to enter the European mix this season because we've known it's been coming since obviously the St. Mirren game last season. We've had to watch Diddy teams around us involved in the preliminary rounds and qualifying rounds and all this kind of stuff but anyway Thursday night it happens we make the trip to Gothenburg to take on and Benhecken in the first leg of our Europa League playoff round tie we touched on it earlier on a huge huge opportunity for the Dons to make it into the group stages of the Europa League now before we get onto the game itself we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier on um, given the time it's taken um, for the squad to put together which I think we can kind of understand to an extent you know there is the argument of quality over quantity as we stand here on the Sunday night heading into this one, are we just in danger a little bit of letting this massive, massive, massive opportunity potentially pass us by? Sounds like your sheets are as wet as your brother's. I'm not as bad as Gav. We'll come on to Gav's things in
2: a I, minute. I can I can see that. I can definitely see that argument. Um I think it, it does, yeah, it does feel a little bit that way. That I mean we're nowhere near well, let's hope this is this is us not fully prepared with a full squad because if it is now, it's going to be a long season. I think clearly, you know, if you think back to when did we qualify for Europe, we've known for like you say, ever, that this was going to be the structure, as in two games to determine which tournament you went into. So all the league season started earlier. You could argue this is the the critical point. So this is your sort of line in the sand. Work back few days a week and say like, you've got to be you know the squad has to be capable of competing at this point and I'm not I'm not certain that it is that being said it's where we find ourselves and I still think we've got a decent chance of doing something over the two legs it's not going to be easy and I would be willing to bet right now if we do it it won't be pretty but I do think we can be competitive over the two games
0: yeah, so just um, before we come on to the game, just in a bit more detail, do you think though is is there an argument potentially made to that what's happened as well is that because the club knew we had the safety net of the Conference League anyway, right? So we're guaranteed European football no matter what happens on Thursday or the second leg until Christmas. That's perhaps meant that we're more willing to spend a bit of time in the transfer window in terms of quality over quantity. If we had the one shot, you know, if we didn't have the guarantee of dropping into the Conference League. Do you think it might have changed mindset a little bit?
2: Well, it, it maybe does, but where I thought you were going with this was, because this is my mindset, you know you've got, if you, from a budget point of view, if you just say it's conference, which is, you know, I know it's not necessarily less money because you might get further or better gates, et cetera, et cetera. So it's difficult to do the comparisons, but you say, well, you're in that tournament, as you probably assumption, you know what you're going to get, guaranteed for getting into it and you can probably make a guess of it on sold out home games etc etc so I, I'm kind of thinking they've known that forever we we should have been pursuing the players and throwing the money around in advance because we knew what we were going to get we shouldn't be at this point oh it could be this and it could be that so I actually thought it would have given us a bit more certainty knowing that we were going to be in one of the one of the two, and in the gap, the the difference in quality, I'm not so sure is such that if you're recruited for a campaign in the Conference League and you find yourself in the Europa League, I don't think you'd be looking at your transfer thinking, "Oh well, we've wrecked that. We've got a squad of diddies now." You'd be looking at it saying, "Well, yeah, okay, we could have pushed the boat a little bit further, but we've still got a competitive squad." So I actually think it should have given us
0: more certainty. I don't think we should be at this point still not sure who we're going for. And of course, we've got recent history with, with BK Hecken. John's prevailing over the Swedes by five goals to three and i get back in 2021 on An astonishing 5-1 win at Potaudry, followed up by a 2-0 defeat in Gothenburg. After that first lag, I think we all thought glass ball was going to lead us to all sorts of glory, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I'd
2: like to look back and say I was playing it cool at the time, but I was not, I was uh, caught up in the hype like everyone else. But to be fair man, that was good. That was we, we,
0: good. We played well that first night. I mean, even Jet looked like an absolute baller. It didn't last, but he did. So didn't. He just ended up losing a ball by the end of it, as I recall. Anyway, um, the Swedes with a memorable season last time around, winning the Alsvin Scan for the very first time in their history, winning it by seven points in the end. That of course saw them qualify for the Champions League this season, where they where they initially dispatched uh, TNS of Wales before a shock defeat to Klaxvik of the Pharaohs on well, penalties led them to drop into the Europa League, where they comfortably dispatched Zalgiris Vilnius in the last round. 8-1 on aggregate after a 5-0 win in Gothenburg last Thursday night. Hecken warming up for this game uh, with a 3-2 win over Why So Serious in the Ellsworth scan on Sunday afternoon. They remain in second place in the league after that one, just tucked in behind Ellsberg at the top of the table. Hecken have never made it beyond the third qualifying round of any stage in Europe, so this is just as much of an opportunity for them as it is for us to make group stages. And it's fair to say, Graeme, I think that they'll be out for revenge, won't they, after our meeting back in twenty twenty one? Yeah, I would imagine so
2: as much as we're sitting here saying we've got a really good chance, I'm absolutely certain they'll be sitting there looking at uh looking at this tie the same way. Um I think obviously you didn't know it post though the the matches last time, but you know, kind of the the way the season spun off for the respective clubs um were quite quite far apart. Uh, so yeah, I think they will be they'll be looking to shut a few people up. Yeah. Ourselves indeed. included.
0: <laughs> let's uh let's just quickly Gav just sent us a quick message earlier on just about this anyway, you know, basically thinking that people tend to focus only on the Petodre game from last time around uh, and kind of tend to omit the fact that they had us on the ropes big time in Sweden, had it not been for the red card, which was silly in the extreme from the 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 right back, I think it was, or the right midfield at the time we could have easily gone down to history as being the team that threw away a 5-1 lead in Europe, the very fact they won the Swedish league last season is reason enough to take them very seriously. Um, it's certainly going to be a very, very different looking hecking team that we will face up to. They come into this tie against us. unbeaten in eight games, um, of those eight games there were two draws against Klaxvik we talked about they're the top goal scorers in the Swedish top flight this season they scored 50 goals in 20 games so far conceding 22 The top goal scorer in the league uh, Benny Traore just recently sold to Sheffield United but they've still got plenty of threats available to them which we'll come on to discuss in a minute or two uh, manager Per Matthias Hogmo so Hogmo of course had not long come into uh, Hecken prior to the, the game against them in 2021 Hecken's season at that point was in Real danger of coming off the rails before the Norwegian Hogwell came in. He seems to have Hecken preferring to line up in a 4-3-3 with a single holding midfielder in the form of Samuel Gustafsson, who's an experienced central midfielder who's had plenty of experience through spells in Serie A as well in the past. Players, I guess, to quickly look out for. um, Amani Romeo, uh, Cote d'Ivoire, left-sided central midfielder. Covers a lot of ground, almost acting as the kind of box-to-box midfielder within that 3 Good burst of pace on him, appears comfortable in the ball, always acting as an ball for his teammates. On the right-hand side of the front three is the Ghanaian Ibrahim Sadiq. He caught the eye against the with two goals in the second leg, scored an absolute belter tonight as well against Sirius. Certainly looks quick from a standing start, good physical strength. Be interested to see how, we match, how he matches up against our left side, which is an area which has caused us... Probably the biggest trouble so far we've seen this season. 23 goals in 40 games since joining Heckman at the start of last season. He's 5-9 and in the Alistair skin so far this season. He's got five goals in six games in Europe this campaign. He's going to be a big threat to watch out for, isn't he?
2: Yeah, all of that uh, is pretty impressive from the start's point of view. So they've clearly got someone in form uh, and capable of scoring goals. And I did see, I think it was maybe Gav who posted the clip, of one of his goals from the game earlier and you know pretty tidy finish Um, but generally speaking it doesn't really matter who you play at this at this stage they're going to be going to have yeah they're going to be decent so yeah definitely someone to watch out for and probably can cause us some bother but any team you know if it was Vilnius that had got through you'd have someone in their team probably with similar stats and would be saying they're going to be good and they can cause us problems so it's just what you're going to have to face yeah. at this stage in the game but I, I like to think When they're looking at us, there'll be areas of concern for them where we can hurt them.
0: And despite the sale of Traore to Sheffield United, Hekin appeared to have unearthed a more than capable replacement in the form of 20-year-old Serbian striker Jordan Hrstrich signing on the 3rd of August from FK Spartak Subotica in the Serbian top flight. He scored 11 goals in 52 games for them, but he's got three and four for Hekin or three and five now after tonight. Uh, including scoring three overall in the tie against Vilnius, two of them away from home, one at home. Certainly appears to be a, a real penalty box striker, not one who's going to be running the channels too much, more than happy looking for openings in the box. But it looks like he'll continue to press our centre backs when he and are out of possession throughout. Further back, uh, one of the players who does stand out is Christopher Lund Hansen. He's a Danish left back with an American passport. Um, that's Apropos nothing, to be fair, but he looks a real threat, a proper modern-day fullback, excelling both defensively and in attacking areas. He's got four assists in nineteen league games, two of two assists as well in the six European games that they've played this term. He is going to also be one we need to keep an eye on. Although we'll come on to it in a minute, possibly might not be here. Um, putting it bluntly, he can look a real threat in attacking areas, which has to be a huge concern given our lack of having a recognizable first choice back three or a back five settled at all i must admit, admit sadiq is giving me the fear a little but because he plays on the right hand side the left hand side is where we are the weakest um the midfield area looks like it could be a real key battleground we'll need big performances with polvara Shinney and clarkson you'd imagine on thursday it definitely you're yeah uh that's what kind of I
2: was saying I think we, we've got a decent chance and it won't be pretty and that probably means we probably need to turn it into a bit of a war of attrition. You know, we've got I think we've got a decent midfield, there's energy there, you know, there's there's tackles to be put in and then obviously if you can find a way to protect Clarkson and allow him to have a bit of time in the ball, he's gonna find our attacking players and he's definitely gonna be able to cause them problems. Um so, yeah, I think that probably is one of the more critical areas. But, you know, I'm optimistic from that point of view, although I, I know what you mean about the defence. We can park, whether we like his shape, the three, or whatever it's going to be. It doesn't get us away from... There's not a set defensive unit that he's had available to him because the guys you probably want to be playing... You know, McDonald is a good example. No idea what sort of level of fitness he's at. Is he going to manage... 90 if he is is that risky or if he can do an hour do you put him in
0: do you put him in at all you know there's a lot of things to be done there seems like a big risk this one because it's an astral pitch as well Thursday night so that in itself is a it has to play in the mind a little bit I think yeah
2: yeah that's probably fair but I don't know I guess that's the that's the gamble isn't it we've got a good chance but we need to be putting out our best possible players. And McDonald is, McDonald should be playing if there's any
0: way we can, we can get away with it. Heckin' with a last minute winner to see off Sirius on Sunday afternoon. I say last minute, it was deep into injury time actually. They fell behind a couple of times in this game, rallied to take the win. A couple of changes made by Mateus Hogmo for this one. No place at all in the squad for the aforementioned Christopher Lund Hansen. A lot of rumours that he might be sold ahead of Thursday. There's also been rumours about Sadiq as well. Um, which would be a massive bonus for us if both of those players happened to be sold, but we'll wait and see. At the end of the day, this isn't going to be the sort of, and Graham's and Gavin's touched on it, this isn't going to be the sort of canter that people seem to assume it was going to be after the draw was made. I think we're taking way too much stock in the way that we beat them in that first leg in 21. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, it's not to say it couldn't happen again.
2: No, probably didn't expect it to happen the first time out and did, so... um it's not, yeah, it's not the case that it it couldn't happen again. But I think if you just look at it, the two teams retrospectively, they're, you know, I mean, they're put they're well into their season. Yeah, so that's clearly, what games in. Yeah, yeah. So a, a a fully assembled squad that know each other, clearly playing well, etc. With a system that the manager, you know, likes. They all know what they're doing. So they're they're a lot further ahead than we are from that point of view, from a quality point of view it's kind of difficult to gauge. I know you've got guys there with good statistics, but you don't see them week in, week out in the opposition. So it's always difficult to translate. Oh, he scored X goals and so many assists. What would he do here? You can never really do that comparison. So there's enough there to be worried about, but there probably was the first time around as well. Yeah. Heckin' weren't diddies
0: before. They had had decent players Um, in their team last time around. Um, I remember the guy, was it Yaramayev? Sort of the uh, forward guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so they
2: had decent players before. Um, And you can take a view on whether our squad is better or worse. Squad, maybe not better. We've definitely got some better players than we had at that point. But again, it's difficult to do a direct comparison between then and now. So they've obviously got enough about them that they can hurt us and it's not going to be easy. But I do think
0: we've got a decent chance of being competitive and getting through. I mean, this is the thing. We do carry a threat up top. So it's going to be interesting to see how Robson plays this game. I mean, let me just touch on this. Astro turf to play on. You know, we're not as up to speed as we'd like to be. As you say, you know, Hekner, 20 games into the league campaign. they are six games in in Europe. You know, do we go to Sweden, do you think, and hope to grind out a draw, for example, to take home? Or even like a, a narrow one-goal defeat? A
2: draw or a goal in it, I think, gives us an excellent chance. Any more than, you know, if you're a couple of goals behind... I feel like that's quite tricky because you kind of have to approach that game. You really have to come out of the traps quite quickly and obviously they have the luxury of sizing you up and seeing what you're about and trying to soak up the pressure or counter you. So it it totally changes it if there's a couple of goals to to chase. But if if it's a draw or it's one, anything can happen. So I think we just... But then it's it's difficult if you say, well, go and play for a draw. I think if you play negatively, you usually get your... Usually get punished as you probably should do. So it is a difficult one for Robson, but I think we've got enough that they maybe have to think about how, yeah, whether it's stuff like how high can they push up, for example, because we saw, you know, if they watched the Celtic game, they would have they would have seen that we had quite a lot of joy with balls over the top for both Miowski yeah. and Duke. You know, they're making those runs. Duke in particular is quicker and stronger, so it is an option available to us, which maybe
0: makes them think a little harder about how aggressively they approach the game. It's going to be quite interesting to see how the teams match up actually from a formation perspective now, because you've got theoretically a 4-3-3 versus a 3-5-2 um, if both teams stick with how they normally would come at these types of games. I mean, do you think there's a possibility, and I'll come on to something about the, the, the different shapes in a minute, where I potentially see opportunities for Aberdeen, but do you think knowing Robson as well, Robson is very pragmatic, he'll want to ensure that we're still in the tie, Do you foresee a a circumstance where we maybe even end up dropping Duke perhaps to begin with and we go with a kind of 5-4-1 and we just really try and lock the game down and try and stifle the game?
2: I suppose that is an option. My concern would be that it turns into something a bit more like a Livingston where the balls to Mijovski are just shelled up to him and it's just going to be coming straight back at us. That's not really me i to criticise Majewski for not being able to, I mean, it's not his game.
0: It's just not his game. That I've seen. Right?
2: So it's not me having a go at him. Uh, I know he'll work hard and he'll make the runs and everything, but if we are just basically shelling the ball up to him, I don't think he's going to have much joy and I don't think he's going to carry us up the pitch too much. I think we might find we're almost always under pressure because anytime we get the chance to to try and play a longer ball, I'm not sure what we're going to get out of it. And I think it will give them a base to build from. Because even from the point of view, if you've got one up front, it's only one man. There's only so much hassling pressing you can do in 90 minutes before you're knackered or they can just pass around you. So um, I'm not sure it sends out the right message, but I can see the logic of keeping it tight for
0: that home leg and you just kind of have to get through it. doesn't matter what it looks like. Just a quick sidebar whose pick was Porto? Uh, that was me. Uh, they've just scored in the 10th minute of injury time to make it 2 oh, 1. That is a spicy meatball. <laughs> that is a spicy meatball. Lovely stuff. It's all down to Gazer. Let's see what happens. Anyway, back to talk about shapes really quickly because a team who plays with a relatively narrow 4 3 3, which is what heck can do, theoretically allows opportunities up the flanks, Um, which then makes it very important that our wing backs keep wide, they hold wide. And then it becomes very interesting to see how we decide to sit up front because we touched on another one. hecken generally seem to employ a singular holder slash pivot player in the midfield. There's an argument there if you play two up top, but you drop one of your strikers onto that player when we're out of possession. That really allows you to really outnumber the middle of the park quite significantly. Do we perhaps see a situation where then Miovsky's asked to drop a touch in on Gustafsson? try and hassle him whenever he's on the ball, allowing Duke to maybe potentially try to stretch the hecking back line with runs in behind. I can see the appeal
2: of that because I think Miofsky, he will work hard. And in that particular role, you're not really needing him to be flying in tackles. He basically just needs to be crowding the guy. So there's, you know, he's got to hurry a pass, which maybe means he messes it up or he doesn't have an easy ball available to him. And then you've got the luxury of, like you say, Duke's pace and his strength and then you know Duke's quite good obviously he's got the, the strength and the pace to run at people or run at the box but then you you know he sort of likes to the goal against Celtic he's looking up for Miofsky and you kind of hope that if we could be doing that Miofsky has still got enough in the tank to then be making that run to support Duke so that Duke's got someone to, to aim at so I, I can see I can see that being a little bit more appealing than having just a Miofsky up top for example and it's long balls all day I can almost see the point of don't aim for Miofsky over the top for Duke and
0: then you hope that Miofsky can support it's almost like over the top it's like what we did against Celtic is balls to the channels da- yeah channels down, 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 the down the sides the side of the centre halves is kind of what we're looking at. but yes. I just think it'd be interesting to see how we decide to match that up but like I say I think the idea about Miowski dropping in on the centre on the the pivot could work really well for us because then you're outnumbering heck quite substantially in the at the centre of the park, which could be, a, like I said earlier on, it could be a key battleground, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how we how we go with that on Thursday. It's going to be a real insight, I think, into the psyche of Barry Robson to a certain extent Um about how yeah, he decides but also, to
2: go. I mean, if you can, I have no idea what sort of Hacking fans have in terms of expectations. You know, you think what well, did you did you say they got knocked out of the Champions League qualifiers? Yeah, yeah, that's why they're here. I, I, sorry, so whether the fans are still like, oh, this is fine, it's uh, Europe, or whether they're already a bit annoyed because they wanted the the Champions League. But if you can stifle the home team, I don't know what sort of reaction you're going to get from the the home crowd. I don't know what Uh, they thought they were getting this season. I'm guessing they're probably going to be quite content with where they are, and they'll see this as an opportunity, so it maybe won't have the same effect. But nonetheless, the absolute worst thing you want... Uh, you know, what you really don't want is the home crowd having something to get after in that sort of first 15, 20 minutes. You you want them to be getting a bit quiet and or fed up. Uh, and if we can
0: stifle them, that'll work in our favour, too. I, I mean, without wanting to put words into the mouths of the Hecken fans we're about to have on in a minute, I suspect they would have probably taken the view that they probably were unlikely to come through Champions League qualifying and, and were probably more likely to end up in the in the Europa League anyway. Um, they would have expected, I think, to come through the, the tie against Klaxvik, which would have then set up uh, a tie at the moment, with, well, a tie with Molda um, initially. Um, I think it would have been a bit of an ask for them to come all the way through to the Champions League, but I think Europa League would be where they would expect to be. But anyway, um kind of amazingly and a bit of serendipity for us it's time for us to bring back Jonas and Christopher from the Club and Hecken podcast they were guests of ours on the very 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 first episode of this old thing all the way back in August probably not August probably June July of 2021 I imagine it would when have it was. been July yeah to preview the game on Thursday and give us the Hecken perspective and just how much revenge are they out for Christopher and Jonas Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. How are you both?
3: Thanks. Ah, we're good, we're good. (laughs) Good to be back. Yeah. Who could have expected this, right?
0: I wouldn't have thought this would happen two years ago. I'm not going to lie. Like, we occasionally will get repeat visitors when we talk about Scottish games, for obvious reasons. But um, in European football, it's very, very rare to draw the same club twice. Certainly in such quick succession as we have done this time around. Um... Christopher, first of all, thank you. You're on your holidays in Spain, so you're taking, obviously, extra time to to join us this evening to talk about the game on no Thursday worries. evening. As we just touched on there, obviously, recent history between the sides. um, Aberdeen eventually coming through last time around in 2021 by five goals to three. Um, A ridiculous 5-1 win at, at Pataudry, followed up by a 2-0 defeat in Gothenburg. Um, it's fair to say, though, that since then, our respective sides have had... Contrasting fortunes um, Aberdeen went on that season To have a horrendous campaign Your side obviously going on To win the league The league title for the very first time Last season uh, Which of course saw you qualify For the Champions League This time yeah. around um, Victims of a bit of a shock result Against Klaxvik of the Faroe Islands On penalties which saw you drop Into the Europa League But I guess for you guys Coming into the the into Europe this season Was your aim probably Europa League group stages anyway Is that where you were realistically thinking You'd, you'd end up
3: yeah maybe we'll we thought that uh, Europa Conference League will be uh, will be like possible. Uh, it will be the other teams of sweden and and the all the all the other supporters uh, always talks like hey, they, we can we can't miss uh, conference league. yeah uh, and when we when uh, when the game against Klatsch week, week uh, ended as it did, we were kind of like the laughing stock of <laughs> sweden and and probably. <laughs> All Europe, but then we saw that they weren't that bad. They were like uh, uh, hitting the bar uh, at uh, overtime against Molde uh, yeah. from uh, going further into that. So, so yeah, maybe they weren't that uh, that bad actually. So,
0: and maybe I guess that result against Klaxvik, maybe just kind of focus some minds, I guess, because you comfortably dealt with Zalgratis fieldness in the last round and eight one. Aggregate win 5-0 in Gothenburg Last Thursday And obviously As we touched on Won the Aspen scan Last season um, In good form In the Aspen scan Again this season uh, Second place The win over Sirius at the weekend The last minute Well I say last minute Deep into injury time Winner just keeps you tucked in behind Elfsborg at the top of the table I mean We'll come into your squad In a little bit more detail In a minute or two And and there's how your season's going And what we can expect But I saw a lot of Aberdeen fans um, When we because of because of the potential teams we could have drawn in the in the Europa League playoff round i think when the opportunity of, he, of Hekin or uh, Zalgris Žalgiris Vilnius came out i think a lot of Aberdeen fans were very optimistic because obviously people were certainly viewing i think the, the home leg last time around with a lot of um with a lot of favor but the same would go for you guys i think on that one because you know you guys have never made it past the third qualifying round of europe um so far so this is as much an opportunity as it is for you, to make the Europa League group stages as it is for us. And presumably, you guys are going to be out for revenge after that tie in 2021.
1: Yeah, and uh, like you say, many it's happened a lot of things in uh, Bekweken. We won the Allsvenskan last year. And, uh, Christopher, may I say, we never played this good of a football that we're doing now. Uh, it's nah. progressed You're a right. lot since uh, since we met the last time. When we were like last of Allsvenskan, I think, yeah. wasn't it that year?
3: At the bottom of the league. Yeah. When we, we, when we just sacked the coach and uh, our uh, our coach that we got now, par Högmo, uh, has he just was just arrived. new. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, was he was two new or three weeks and, in the door, I think, yeah. And it was all focused on like saving the contract to, to be, be a part of the Allsvenskan uh, the next year. So, so it, the focus. I I would say that the focus and the confidence in the squad wasn't that. Uh, I don't think the focus was on that game, mm-hmm. and 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 the confidence was that. That was really bad.
0: Uh, and just touched on it there, I mean, you guys are in great form at the moment, you're unbeaten in seven games, that includes the two draws against the um, top goal scorers in the Swedish top foot like, this season, it's 50 goals in just 20 games, um, only conceding 20 in that time as well, obviously your top scorer in the league, Traore was recently sold to Sheffield United, but you've still got plenty of threats available up front as well, and we'll come on to them in a minute or two. From Everything I've gone and looked at, it certainly appears to me that uh, Permatees-Hogbo certainly seems to favour having you guys lining up in a 4-3-3 formation. A kind of single holding slash pivot midfielder in the form of uh, Gustafsson, who's obviously got a lot of experience in in Serie A amongst other areas before as well. Um, And up front, you look very, very sharp. I mean, Ibrahim Sadiq's the one who's catching a lot of the eye at the moment. Obviously, a couple of goals against Vilnius in the second leg, scores a great goal at the weekend against Sirius to get you back to 1-1. Um, seems to, so. He likes to play off the right-hand flank as well, which will potentially cause Aberdeen some problems because the left side of the defence is the area we've got our biggest concerns about. It's probably fair to say at this moment in time. But apart from Sadiq, um, who would you say are the kind of players that Aberdeen should should look out for? Aberdeen fans should look out for and should be wary of. Uh,
3: I would say that the the main thing about our play is the midfield. Um, we got the strongest midfield in in Alsvenskan and uh, yeah even even with with people on the bench that that comes in is is really really good we got some we get the samuel uh, gustavsson uh, and he's really really good he's he's been playing for the the national team as well uh, this year and uh, his brother twin brother uh, simon is uh injured but i think that he might get back to this game uh, or maybe the away game uh, next week, and uh, so the midfield is really, really strong. And we we can't forget about uh, Mikkel uh, uh who is yeah, he's a he's a magician.
1: Yeah, and maybe uh, like when we lost against Klaxvik, you named that our top scorer Benny Tra- Traoré just left, and uh, we haven't got in our replacement for him. Uh, we got Sardan uh, Ristich now uh, that have scored. Uh, Two two of the goals against Salgiris uh, away and uh, uh, yeah, uh, looks looks good. So uh, yeah, another threat there that we hadn't when we lost uh, Ben Traoré.
3: I could say that if if we had Ristic against uh, Klaxweek, it would be a whole different outcome yeah. of that game. Yeah, yeah,
0: I like the look of Ristic as well. He looks like a proper old school penalty box kind of striker. Makes really yeah. good, intelligent runs in the box. Pulls defenders away. Um, which yeah. I think is part of how the goal that Sadiq scores to equalise at the weekend comes about as well. Um, like I say, I think there's a lot of Aberdeen fans who, who've who been putting an awful lot of stock into the 5-1 game at Pataudry, not necessarily considering the, the, the return leg in, in Gothenburg, where we were really troubled really badly in that game. And I think there was a really silly red card for it. I can't remember which one of your players it was who got sent off, but you guys were well on top and one of your players got sent off and it just felt like it took the air out of the game. Um I, when it went two nil and there was about thirty thirty five minutes to go that game, I was concerned that we could be the team that loses a five one lead um, to lose a tie. We've seen an awful lot of that, and like I say, you guys are a very
3: very very different team now from from yeah. the team that Aberdeen faced in twenty twenty one. I think that there are there are two players left from that team. Uh, yeah. We got the goalie uh, Peter, and then we got uh, uh, I guess Johan Hammer is the left as well. So. Center and back. Ali Youssef, But yeah The centre back um, yeah. Hamar Is uh, left But sorry You were you were coming to a question Maybe
0: I was just going to ask about Because we, we touched upon it In our preview So we recorded our preview On Sunday night And obviously we are talking On uh, Monday evening We highlighted Christopher Lund Hansen As being a real threat As well at Left back And of course Events have now Taken over from us In the 24 hours Since we uh, recorded That he's now signed For Palermo um, Yeah Is that a big loss For, for, for Hecken Do you think Obviously didn't play At the weekend but he's a proper modern-day kind of fullback, really excelled defensively and in attacking areas. I know you've brought in a replacement player today from Stanley Age, but yeah, that seems like a massive. We loss don't know for anything guys. about him. Yeah, it seems like a massive loss for you guys in in the week running up to such a big game.
3: Yeah, it really is. Uh, he is uh, he's a powerful uh, player uh, and he can run like forever. And uh, so yeah, I and he's a positive guy he we every every supporter and supporters heckin and loves him Uh, so uh, yeah it's a big it's a big loss yes Uh, i think that we could manage uh replacing him but uh but uh yeah Uh, it it took it took bad when when we heard that he was uh going away but uh, but at the same time it's really it's really nice for him
1: it's, it's not that big of a loss if you compare it to Benny when we lost Benny and didn't have no. a replacement. We, even if we didn't have this uh, new uh, player, we, we have replacement that yeah can fill fill his gap uh, in, this, in these games. Mm-hmm. So it's not that big of a loss that Benny was in, in, that, uh, in that time.
0: You touched on it as well, Christopher, I think. Um, the midfield, it seems to me, when I've been looking at everything to do with Heck, and obviously we need to look at your your attackers and keep them quiet, but the midfield area looked really key to me. Is this is where the game could potentially be won or lost um, for both sides. Aberdeen have got a relatively strong midfield area as well. It's fair to say we're, we're lacking maybe one or two bodies there just now, but is that where you see as well the, the potential Aberdeen play? Predominantly a three-five-two, so it's going to be very interesting to see how the four-three-three matches up to the three-five-two. Whether we even go three-five-two in in Sweden on Thursday night, I'm not sure. But that's the area. It looks to me is where the big key battleground
3: is going to be, is in that midfield area. Yeah, it's going to be a battle on the midfield. Uh, but the thing is that they are very confident in in having the ball, but but we're very confident in in facing a team that is offensive that that wants to play football and and if if aberdeen wants to play football this is going to be a one hell of a ride i think so it's going to be fun it's going to be a fun game to watch
0: how do you how do you guys see i mean i guess two things how what was the reaction amongst the heckin support about drawing aberdeen first of all because obviously like i say it's an opportunity for revenge um but it's also i would imagine you guys viewing it as well it's as good an opportunity as you could have got out of the group that you could have drawn in the pots um to to qualify and then i guess secondly is how do you think hogmo will approach the home leg in particular uh
1: we play hekken football he calls it every time yeah, the same uh, the same mentality as uh, in every game so you will see the uh, positive f- kind of football uh, offensive uh, can go fast it, and uh, possession in the midfield like christopher uh, was uh, talking about a lot of confidence there in the players like rigod sam gustafsson Amane that probably will play uh, they like to have the ball like to pass the ball and they like to uh, yeah uh, play football uh, so i think if, from the hecken side we will they will play it like any other game and that's the and that's the, how they approach Every game, and that's yeah. how they speak about it, also. Every uh, when they speak about it, it's hacking football, even if it's, it's the last day of the uh, and you can win the league, or if it's uh, yeah, like like any other match, it's uh, it's always hacking football.
3: Yeah, we were playing against uh, course Gothenburg, uh, in the last game, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 game mm-hmm. where we could win the 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 goal for the league uh, in November uh, last year. And uh, we we only we only needed a draw, and we we entered their the their home uh, pitch, and we had two nil after fifteen minutes, and three nil after thirty minutes, and we it, it ended up we winning with four nil, and the all we got, we needed was a draw, but we played hacking ball, and and we we just we just ra- ran over them. So that's how I want to see us play, and that's the that's the difference between when we played Salgiris and, and Klaxvik. Klaxvik was was difficult for us because they they weren't istri- interested in of uh, playing football. They just wanted to be defensive and 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 just uh, yeah attack us when we when we when we least uh, when we when when we couldn't uh, defend. So it, it, it's yeah i think i think that's that they will play like they did against elgaris and that's how we want them to play as well
0: which is an interesting question as well i guess because it sounds to me though you know hecking when you come up against a team who come and play and and try to play in in a very similar way that you guys play that's where you can kind of dominate teams and 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 kind of you know uh, take the game to these teams I think Aubrey might come to Sweden on Thursday, we've got some real challenges in terms of the way our squad's built up at the moment in um, particular we've got real injury concerns around a bunch of our defenders um, okay. I wouldn't be Sounds surprised good. I wouldn't be surprised to see us come and maybe do what Klaxveig did to, and, and, and not try to play an awful lot of football and maybe sit with two banks, like a 5 and a 4 and leave one person up top and make it difficult make it stuffy um, make it very physical. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see us try to do that and then go
3: all in on the on the home game
0: and try to be. You know, I think I think realistically, if we come away from Sweden with the tie level or even like one goal in it, I think we'd be delighted and and, and try to bring that back to Petardry and really have a go at home. If Aberdeen do but you, it, but you,
3: you said that you said that you were positive and the supporters uh, in Ab- uh, Aberdeen were positive when when you got Hecken when we now. When when we talk about it, and you really you really done your homework, and uh, and uh, what 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 do you think now? What's what's what do you think about the outcome of of these two games, and how do you feel about uh, starting away? Um,
0: starting, I don't think it matters anymore so much the starting away versus home now that the way goal rule isn't there any longer. I think if no, if the way goal rule true. is still in play, I think it means a little bit more to 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 have the first leg away from home. Um, I think. Given our injury concerns that we have, having the away leg first is probably better for us because it allows us a bit more time to get players who would be first choice players back into the team, hopefully for the, the home leg, which is why I think we will go to Sweden. I don't think we'll be particularly expansive in Gothenburg on Thursday night. I don't think we're going to be try to chase the game and try to win the game, you know, two or three nil or anything like that. I think we'll try to be tight, compact and bring the tie back to Aberdeen. Um, I think... This is the thing, I think, um, without wanting to cast too many aspersions about um, people who will, will will generally follow Aberdeen but maybe don't look at what's happening in too many leagues around Europe, I think t- a lot of people looked at the draw and saw, oh heck, and well, we thumped them 5-1 two years ago under a manager who was hopeless, in our view, um, or who okay. turned out to be hopeless, in our view. Well, oh, this should be a piece of cake. Um, and I think now, as 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 time has worn on since the draw, I think people have then started to do a bit more research into Hekin. And, you know, I think between ourselves and there's a few other Aberdeen podcasts, you know, we've been seeing now for, since we drew you guys again, that this is an entirely different hecken team from the team that we played. I think, as I said earlier on, people seem to forget the away leg in, in 2021, where we were very poor um, and we could have easily ended up losing that game um, by a margin that would have led us into extra time or even possibly going out of the tie. So, you know, from my perspective, I think it's a 50-50 between the teams for who goes through. Um, I think it's an incredibly tight tie. I think a lot of it will depend. I think a lot of it will depend on how the game on on Thursday night goes. Like I say, I think if yeah. Aberdeen can, can, come, can, can take the tie back to Aberdeen level or with a goal in it, I fancy our chances at home. We've got a very, very good home record since January. Um, but, you know, it's a 50-50. Anything can happen in European football, you know?
3: But I, play, I saw that you played, uh, like, a cup game this uh, weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw that the comments after the game wasn't that good, right, uh, from the supporters?
0: Yeah, it's probably fair. I mean, it wasn't our best performance. Um, but then it's a cup game against a lower league team away from home. Yeah. You know, we, we're only... And this is the other thing. We're
3: only everybody our, think that you were going to win like five 0 and uh but then there was a bit trouble actually right
0: yeah i mean like w- the thing to remember is we're only three th- that was our third game of the season you know we've only played three competitive games we've had a massive um overhaul of squads since the end of last season um we've got a lot of new players trying to gel we've got like i say we've got big issues with um the defense in terms of injuries to players there um and, you know, we were comfortable for 75 minutes on Friday night. Uh, we conceded a really stupid goal, which made it very nervy for the last 15 minutes. Um, but hey, at the end of the day, in cup football, it's all about getting through, isn't it, into the next round. And if we go on and win the cup, no one's going to remember the fact that you had to struggle a little bit to get past the lower league team. Um, yeah.
3: So, it was actually like the same, same, same thing for us, actually. Yeah. We played against a, a second or third division team uh, last year and we we scored like the 2-1, 2-1 winning goal in the 90 94th second or something uh, minutes uh, or something so and then we we won the whole uh, cup so yeah
0: and the thing is like you know I I watched I watched a decent chunk of the game you guys had against Sirius at the weekend and obviously Sirius are down at the bottom end of the of the yeah. and they're they're not doing well and I watched that and thought to myself well you know there's there's a chance for us here but you guys also are coming off of you know you, that was your sixth, uh, your your game with illness was what's your sixth European game so far of the season. You've played twenty games yeah. already in the league. You guys are well up to speed, and that's my bigger concern is you guys are well up to speed, and we're three games in, and our squad is not there yet, and that's the biggest challenge I think we 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 have. Um, it's going to be very interesting, like I say, because Sadiq in particular scares me, <laughs> um, especially because he plays off the right flank, and that's where we're weakest defensively at this moment in time. Um But that's why I expect we'll come and we'll be pretty pragmatic. I think on on Thursday night and, and hope to bring the tie back to
1: Scotland still live. We have a cup game tomorrow, right, Christopher?
3: Or is it moved? No, no, it's been it's been moved. Yeah, okay. We, that, yeah. That's good because otherwise we would have no, like, no. It, three games in in four days. So that's, <laughs> no, a,
0: no. that's a disgrace. That's been moved. You should be playing that game shocking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a game course, we should support.
1: win with the uh, like the uh, under yeah. 21 so yeah but yeah. Uh, but it's good it's always st- tricky
3: it's always tricky yeah. but uh, how how many supporters will will uh, come to Gothenburg on thursday will be uh, like a big
0: one? i believe that we got 600 tickets um oh, okay uh i think they were selling pretty well um i think the problem with these things is always at this stage of the tournament it's hard it's such short notice you know um yeah at least because you guys were 3-0 up from the first leg against Vilnius I think a lot of Aberdeen fans at that point booked um flights yeah. to Gothenburg Gothenburg is not the easiest place as it turns out in the world to get to in a cost effective manner
1: okay okay, um, okay from the
0: UK because you've got to do like a number of different flights to get there um but yeah I think there's quite a few hoping to hoping to make the journey because obviously Gothenburg's obviously we talked about it when when we spoke in 2021 Gothenburg's obviously got such massive sentimental yeah I know um, know, attraction to, to Aberdeen Football Club and it's it's we celebrated our 40 year of um, winning the Cup Winners Cup in the Olave uh, earlier this season so there's something nice again about the fact that we're, we're doing a trip to Gothenburg this season um, it's one of those I think if um, I think if there'd been a bit more time um, yeah. when the draw was made if Gothenburg was slightly more accessible to get to in a relatively easy way from Aberdeen, um, you'd have had a lot more people travelling. Plus, it's this the school summer holidays just finished here in yeah, I know Scotland it's, this it's week. So it's, not, it's not the best time, which is part of the reason I can't no. make the trip this week. Um, but yeah, all good, mate. I think it'll be good. There'll be will be a pretty boisterous Aberdeen support. I I would imagine making its way to Gothenburg. Um, if nothing else, be interesting to see. What about yourselves? Do you think there'll be a big travelling support from Sweden? Because obviously last time around it was, it was COVID. Um, yeah, stopped any real travelling. Do you think there'll be many Swedes? make the travel make the trip to Aberdeen?
3: um i don't know actually it's probably like the same the same problems that you guys have uh, it's it's uh, it's i know that there will, there will probably be about be about like 10 or 20 persons going but but not more than that i think uh, because of the the yeah the lack of time planning and and, and travel so yeah i think that would be not 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 that much uh, supporters traveling from from Gothenburg. It's a shame because
0: it would have been good for that to have, to have happened But I guess it is is what it is this time around. Um, guys, listen, it's it's been great to get to catch up with you both again. Um, maybe this might this might be the last time. I'll, I'll be amazed if we do this again. Um, if we yeah, do, th- that'd be astonishing. Yeah next year that will be, be crazy yeah <laughs> next maybe next year, year. Um, in the Champions League Champions League group stages I think we're guaranteed yeah. I think the Champions of got are guaranteed group stage football in the Champions League next year so that'll be us um, <laughs> do you gents want to do you want to venture a prediction for how you think the tie will go not just the, the game on Thursday night how the overall tie will,
1: will, will pan out
3: you start Jonas
1: <laughs> uh, I gotta be po- positive then uh, 4-2 4-3 maybe
3: over two, over two games.
1: Yeah, there's no
0: danger. We're scoring three goals in Sweden on Thursday night. Trust me, I can't imagine us trying uh, to do that.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but the thing is about about Hekken is that you you will probably score a goal or two, <laughs> and then we will do four. <laughs> it's, we always let one go, at least one, in 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 any games. So, but uh, four or two uh, over two games, uh, Jonas. You think?
1: Yeah, I I, I hope. hope.
3: I've been positive
1: for once. I'm always the negative one. (laughs) Yeah, you
3: are. You really are.
1: (laughs) Well, If that's the case, Christopher, what are you going for then?
3: (laughs) Uh, then (laughs) 10 (laughs) 0. Listen, guys. No, No, but I think that it it will be a tight and As you said, uh, it, it it will all depend on the first game in Gothenburg on Thursday. Um I think that if we get like, I think that will probably be like a 2-0, 2-1 win. Uh, and then we'll, oh, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, yeah, something like Jonas. I, I hope and think that we will get through and uh, uh, I think that we will end up like a 3-1 uh, winning over two games. What do you think?
0: Uh, I honestly don't know. I really don't know. Um, my heart says Aberdeen will come through the tie somehow. I don't know how. Um, I think I think it'll be very tight in Gothenburg on Thursday night. There is something very very special about our stadium on a European night, and I don't know a lot of fans say that. But there is something truly special about Petardry on a on a on a European night. The tickets are selling incredibly well for that game already. It'll probably be a sellout. I'd imagine. Cool. Um, the atmosphere. Can What's be. the cas-
3: capacity of the? Of the
0: uh, we're about eighteen and a half thousand now. Eighteen, oh, eighteen okay. eight. Excellent.
3: So um, yeah, it's really nice. got a small arena, and uh, I think that's. I hope that it's sold out, but yeah. uh, but maybe like five five thousand expectation.
0: Pitaudry on a on a European night, big crowd. If the if the team are up for it, it can be a very very special place, and I think it can be quite a daunting place actually to play football as well if that happens. So. Um fingers crossed, we're still in the tie. That that can be the case. Um I think it's 50-50. I, I honestly think that the whole tie's 50-50, but I'm gonna have to see, yeah. I, I have to go with Aberdeen, obviously, of for course. obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's wait yeah. and see. Um, Jonas, Christopher, especially Christopher, because you're on holiday in Spain and you don't need to be doing this. Um, but you are so I appreciate <laughs> I, the, I appreciate the commitment <laughs> to the cause. Listen, gents, it's been absolutely brilliant to get to catch up with both of you. Again, thank you for joining us on the ABZ Football Podcast. Um, I wish you all the very best for the remainder of the season with the obvious exception of um, the following Thursday evenings. But uh, listen to you you guys. guys. All the very best. Take care.
3: (laughs) Take care.
0: Take care. So there we go. Graeme, before we come on to talk about the St Mirren game next Sunday, just that, do you want to dare venture a prediction for Thursday evening in Gothenburg? Score draw. Score draw. Which of course would be much better in the olden days for the away goals, but it's not to be, unfortunately. But a score draw. Like, I am going to suspect a bore nil-nil that dawns with a properly impressive rear guard action. We take it back to the old lady. All to play for on the 31st. 31st? 31st. 31st. So
2: regardless of which one of us is right or wrong, the key phrase there is all to play for. Let's just hope there's still a tie come the 31st.
0: Absolutely, definitely. And right. that's of course we battered them. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, of course, it's a two game week this week. The Dons travel to Paisley next Sunday to take on high flying second place side St. Mirren at the smizer Uh it's fair to say the Paisley Saints are having a very good opening to the season. They are. Uh yeah, they they absolutely are. It's amazing what happens when you get rid of the Declan Gallagher, not it? Anyway, um, They've started the season with wins in the league, certainly with wins at Hibbs and then at home to Dundee. They've also progressed to the quarterfinals of the League Cup following their 1-0 win over Motherwell on Saturday in round two. That came after they topped Group H with three wins from their group. They're currently on a run of six wins on the bounce in all competitions. It's fair to say, Graham, our recent record on League Duty and Paisley is nothing short of fucking honking. We haven't won in the league in Paisley Since December 2018 A 2-1 win For the Dons With goals from Stevie May And Sam Cosgrove It's just giving me a wee Shudder Those two names Maybe not <laughs> so
2: much Cosgrove um,
0: Yeah It's not been great is it No that's very polite way of putting it We've lost our last three visits To St Mirren The latest A 3-1 defeat On Christmas Eve Last season As the wheels well and truly began to fall off of the Jim Goodwin bandwagon. Overall, um, we've actually got a losing record in Paisley in the league as well. 112 games played, we've won 41, drawn 24 and lost 47. And it's not very often you find that uh, with us against teams in the top flight in Scotland. So that's a, a bit of a surprise. It, it feels to me that a are the modern day Morton is how I think <laughs> about them. Um Saints coming out this season with kind of a relatively settled squad, it feels like from the one that eventually finished sixth last season, despite them securing Champions League football Um, in early February, it felt a pathology. Trevor Carson, um, just don't drop him against Rangers, and Joe Shaughnessy departing for Dundee, Declan Gallagher for United, and Big Curtis Main off to Bengalura in India, the main departures. Inbound, Zach Hemming on loan from Middlesbrough, placing Carson the six. Stav Nachmani on loan from Maccabee Haifa up top alongside Connor McMenamin. He swapped, hanging out with Niall again, completing Belfast Tinder at Glentorin for the bright lights of Paisley. So far, so far, they've been able to keep a hold of Mark O'Hara and Keanu Backus although Backus did appear to be on the brink of a move to Bolton before that one fell through. Hint, hint, anyone's listening? Um, O'Hara's missed the last couple of games. He's apparently struggling with a thigh injury, likely to miss out on the game against us as well on Sunday, as it seems to be. Robinson appears to have kind of favoured a bit of a 3-4-3 approach this season so far. They've got five goals in their league in the league so far. Uh, you can see the three. It's kind of a bit too early. It's kind of a bit too early, I think, to look too much into the detail of the hashtag data, but they seem to have picked up from where they left off last season. Um, big threat from runners from deep in midfield. And from wide areas, it's going to be another tough ask, isn't it? At the Smise on Sunday, especially come off the back of what I imagine will be a tough trip to Gothenburg.
2: Yeah, I think if you if you didn't have the Thursday game, you just look at the relative form. I know it's early, but it's going really rather well, as maybe spluttering into life and. With a pretty poor record down there, it's not. It wouldn't have been looking too great anyway. I think Thursday will be, will be difficult. And I, I, don't know how much of an excuse that is at this stage in the season. You know, you would hope, um, yeah, you would hope people are capable of playing a couple of games back to back. Effectively, at this stage, it's not. You know, it's not like the tail end of the season where it maybe catches up. But I think it'll be really difficult. I mean, just recent history demonstrated that they're in good form, but a bit like Livingston feel like if we're going to achieve anything this season we need to be getting results against uh, St Mirren home and Holman away
0: yeah we really need to be because that's the thing is it? it's all very well us getting excited about Europa League um, obviously it's great we've been able to get through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup and potentially with a really good opportunity to get through to the semi-finals. potentially um, don't want to put too much ahead of ourselves but it's, it's as good a chance as we're going to get I think out of the draw that was possible this afternoon Yep. um but we do need to focus on, on the league campaign as well you know we've seen you know at hearts today were able to kind of rotate a number of players they've not had the same level of injury issues that we've had um you know they were able to rotate a number of players out to play of this So still came up with a four0 win they've also got a, a, a tough ask against PayOK okay in the Europa Conference League qualifiers coming up but you know they've at least started the league campaign with a win and a draw so there are four points on the board. Um, I can't remember who Hearts actually play next week. Let me just have a quick look to check, to check and see who it is they play. Uh, they're way at Dundee, which I don't think will be an easy tie. To be fair to them, but um, no, I wouldn't have thought so. But
2: it's a strange one. You, you, clearly, the, the league is your bread and butter. You want to be in Europe every season, so obviously, going to. I mean, realistically, we're probably if we get there next season, it'll be through the league. Um, I'm not sure we'll be winning anything in Europe so you need to keep an eye on that but with the craziness of last season I don't actually know does it really make much of a difference if you're you know if you drop a couple of if you drop some points early on because your focus is elsewhere last season is probably the best example it shows there is time to recover that that being said are maybe some of your competitors going to be as woeful and chuck it maybe the way they did yeah it's probably less likely to repeat so that you know, maybe does make it trickier to recover. Um, I mean,
0: realistically, you expect both Hibs and Hearts as European campaigns to finish at this round coming up.
2: You would, you would think so. I'd be very, very surprised if one or both of them actually did anything.
0: At Hearts and we've got a slightly better opportunity. They've got pay okay. I think it's a slightly ease, slightly easier task than Villa for the John McGinn wankfest that's going to be the next few weeks on Hibs Twitter. Um, but yeah, it is important. I think that we do pick up points because our our run of fixtures is. It, it, we we touched on it, I think when we looked at the start of the season. It's we don't have an entirely favorable run of games in the early part of the season. You know, we've got St Mirren away, then we're at home at Hibbs, then away to Hearts, home at Ross County, away to Rangers, before we're then at home to St Johnston. It's not you know we need to pick up points sooner rather than later just to get the league campaign up and running. And, and Sunday feels like a just as important a game as the heckin' one does.
2: Yeah, I suppose also the, you know, getting the points breeds the confidence, which hopefully in turn gets the points and so on and sort of self-perpetuates where you, you know, you you build up that momentum and we've not really got anything going yet this season. I think I'm okay with probably prioritising Thursday at this stage. But when I say that, I mean, you know, maybe we can, you know, if we're still on the time Thursday, for example... I'm okay with him taking a view on Sunday that he maybe wants to protect some of our better players because it is earlier on in the season. But you've maybe got another couple of weeks like that before that disappears. And then, you know, you might be looking at the table saying, well, six games gone. They've not really got going in the league. Something's got to to change. So I think we're just at a stage where every game's important. Yeah, they're all massive. I mean, I know every game is important. You always want to win every game, but you just, the way things are going, like you say, it's a tough run in the league you're going to be in Europe in some shape or form. You want to give a good account of yourselves, you've got an excellent opportunity in the in the League Cup. You know, every every game becomes massive a bit of a pressure. They're point. all huge. Yeah. They're all yeah. huge.
0: All huge games right now. Anyway, let's face it, we know what we're going to get in Paisley, don't we, on Sunday. Yes. Um, generally a ranked game of football. Um but are you going to venture a prediction for us for this one as well, Graham on Sunday? Um, let's go the buddies won, Aberdeen two. Lovely stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna echo that as well. I'm gonna say two on Aberdeen. Um so there we go. That'll do us, I think, this evening. That'll wrap us all up, won't it, Graham? Yes, I would say so. That's been quite concise, actually, for us. It's amazing what happens when Gavin's not here. That's gonna wrap us up. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you do in your podcast. Player of choice. Join us next time for episode one two two of the show, as we will look back on. The first leg of our tie with Hecken in Gothenburg. We'll look back as well at our trip to Paisley in the cinch premiership. We'll preview the second leg against Hecken and we'll look forward to the visit of Hibbs to Pataudry for our second home game of the season. Look forward to seeing you then. Stanfrey. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with the Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Maretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week all year round and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters, Podrice Stadium, for free on match days.
2: Come on you reds!